Um, Alright. Oh, uh, this is uh, Leonard Angelo. It's April 7th, 2017. Um, Alright. Uh, creating a safe emotional space in which to draw. Suspending judgment and muting the criticism until the end. Uh, academia and the oppressive, oppressive intellectual bully. Uh, a unicorn, formal and conceptual greatness. And who invited the critic? And why am I reading this piece anyway? Uh, these are things that were on my mind. Uh, it happened on my mind for a while. But especially this morning. Uh, let's see. Creating a safe space in which to draw. Well, here's the thing. I have heard recently there's a lot of talk. Uh, you know, legitimate or not, about safe spaces, quote-unquote safe space. And I've heard this said, usually in a, in a, with a tone of, like, anger and disrespect, that, uh, that college campuses or other places, perhaps, with young people, are now creating safe space, places where uh, ideas are filtered in a way, I guess is one way to put it, and usually conservatives get all bent out of shape about this because it's ultra-liberal and it's, too, it's a little too soft. And ain't nobody like soft anymore. No, sir. It's either, by the way, it's like toilet paper. It's either too soft or it's too hard. <laughs> Can't we find a medium? Look, too soft is not going to work and too hard. A rash ensues. So... Apparently, the world is either too soft or too hard, and everybody complains. Either back back and forth. It's like a tennis match. Uh, but it never ends. 40 love and all. What was my point? Well, okay. Safe space. I like the idea. I don't really think in practice. I don't know. I, I, I haven't researched this. It sounds It sounds pretty lame, honestly. It sounds like... It sounds like, if you were to listen to the critics of, of, of safe spaces, it sounds like there's a world out there of, of you know, ultra-needy and very, very uh, uh, sort of incapable young people in the world that aren't going to be able to function unless everything is just so. I, like, they all got uh, OCD. And if, the, if they can't line up their fork and knife... They're never going to eat dinner and they'll starve to death. Uh, if, if the peas and the, and the potatoes mix, I can't eat this. Send it back. It's sort of like that. That's, that's, what, that's the picture that's being painted. But I think about safe space a lot. Um, <clears throat> before I even knew that term, I was thinking about this idea because uh, I, I, when I, I, okay, I got to do a new painting. I, I started a new painting. And I haven't put the paint down yet. I'm prepping the canvas and doing the drawing. All right, it's not a canvas. I'm working on a piece of uh, African mahogany. Interesting. So I went to the wood store, and I an exotic wood store, and I bought an a African mahogany panel, and I prepped the panel, and I'm, I'm going to do something on this because I love the pattern on it, and I'm gonna, I have a plan for it. And I had a drawing that would work on the surface and all that. But here's the thing, if you're working on African mahogany, uh, you can't mess that up because it's not cheap. And it was, it's, it's sort of like if you go too far, I'm going to have to sand the whole thing down. And I don't even know 
the thing about wood, when you paint on wood, it gets in the little crevices that you don't even see, you know, until you look with a magnifying glass. And, and those, that, that uh, pigment does not come out. Why, long story long. This painting, uh, the, the, because of the un, unforgiving nature of the surface, this painting is sort of, it's giving me a little bit of anxiety. Starting is giving me a bit of anxiety. And I actually encounter this a lot, and that's why the idea of safe space appeals to me and came, came to me. Uh, because I think when I'm starting out in drawing, I treat everything like it's on African mahogany, you know? Like I can't, I can't put down a wrong line or a wrong mark. I can't even look at a wrong line or a wrong mark, or it sends me into a spiral. Now, of course, this is just my own weird neurosis. However... It, it, it reminds me, and maybe this is a good practice, and there's some wisdom here. I don't know. When you're starting something, uh, creating a safe space for you to do, to do that, creating an, an openness and, and a forgiving uh, environment for you to make mistakes, for you to, for you to uh, be able to make marks and, and, and hash through ideas that may not be perfect uh, in order to get to a point where you can start being critical. And I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, because I don't provide a safe space for myself, I go straight to the criticism. Like, and, 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 you know, this is a lifelong struggle. And it makes what it makes for is an environment in which it's not safe to even begin. Um, because the critic is ready. The critic is always prepped, sitting in the corner there in the shadows is a critic there's Dave Hickey or whoever you think I don't know who was the other guy Hughes and, and uh, 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 Greenberg they're all sitting over there in the corner with their pencils ready they're poised I don't know theater but I'm sure theater critics are like this movie critics there's Roger Ebert over there now Roger was more forgiving is it Siskel there's Gene Siskel over in the ghost of Gene Siskel. And he's green and glowing like in the Star Wars movies. And there he is in his robe. Just <laughs> his pen poised. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy this guy. Well, that's what it's like. The ghost of Gene Siskel over in the corner. And I can't even get through my script treatment. Because what if he don't like it? That's what I think about. Uh, so the pro- you got to eliminate those ghosts. And maybe they bring them later. I don't know. I, the thing is, and, and I've been actually thinking about that, too. You know, I, I say suspend the critic until you get through your, your ugly phase. Oh, imagine this. Okay, imagine this. Like, you, when you're dating, you know, or you're doing the online dating or whatever, they, you, people judge you. People judge the hell out of you. Because they have to, you know. They, who wants to go on a date with a bunch of assholes? So they're judging you, and you, you gotta, you know, you gotta, <laughs> it's just going anywhere. Uh, what was I thinking? <laughs> when you're online dating, people are looking at you with, with very harsh criticism, because the pool is big, there's a lot of guys out there, they don't need to take their time with you, so they gotta decide, real quick, real quick, like, whether you're okay. And it's, it's snap judgments all the way, right? Until you get to a little further along, and then it's, and then it's a little less harsh. But, but it's snap judgments right away because, you know, I'm swiping left or right. 
I see are the kids still doing that. And then, <clears throat> you know, uh, you, you don't even get a chance, right? You're criticized right away. So imagine you, you're on you're on a dating site like that where it's instant, like hot or not. Yes, you're hot. No, you're not. But you're only like 13 or 14 years old. It's your worst time to be to be harshly criticized. And there's a bunch of people just ready to go, nope, 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 not you, hate you, ugly. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what it that's that's how unfair it is to be a harsh critic at the beginning of a piece. And that's how hard it is to actually move forward when there's a critic like that sitting in your brain all the time. So so, I've been thinking about that. And how to suspend that critic. And creating a safe emotional space in which to draw would mean to me um, shutting that guy off. And being able to just make marks. And, and you know, I, th- I think about how to do that. And in practice, in theory, I think it's great. In practice, very difficult. So suspending judgment and muting the criticism until the end. At the end, maybe sometimes you need the criticism to make to make decisions, to finish. But in the beginning, I don't know, you're just trying to get through it. You're trying to get through your adolescence. Leave me alone, Mom. I know my hair is greasy. Just leave me alone. I know I have acne. Stop it. I don't need to hear that right now. Give me a few years to get this all sorted. Okay. Uh, So I think about that. Uh, Academia in the oppressive intellectual bully. So... When I think a lot of this critical thought comes from my time spent in academia, and I, I may need to uh, talk about that at another point. I actually think I have a lot to say about that. Uh, so maybe that's not uh, good for this particular topic. Is it a little off topic? God forbid I'm off topic. Who knew? Okay, the unicorn, formal and conceptual greatness. Boy, do I struggle with that. So, for something to be formally great, you know, it has to, it has to have its perfected uh, aesthetic qualities. And for something to be conceptually great, it has to have good ideas behind it and be executed in such a way that uh, aforementioned ideas come to the surface. This is not, a, this is not an easy uh, a juggling act. Uh, these, these plates are spinning together at the same time and there's a little poodle running around your ankles and it's quite a quite a, a feat a, a, a daring of daring do uh, and I've been struggling with that a lot because I think from the academic experience and the criticism of the academic experience there's a lot of talk about whether or not this is formally good but conceptually uh, empty or whether it's conceptually good, but executed poorly. Or not just poorly, executed in such a way that the, that the message is hidden and masked. So I decide I want to do a painting on a piece of African mahogany. Does that actually mean anything? And I thought it did. Uh, or I'm trying to tell a story with drawings. Is, is drawings the best way to tell that story? Uh, does it have to be painted? Does it have to be, you know, cartoony, realistic, et cetera, et cetera? You got to think about all that stuff, and it's all juggling at the same time. And it's very difficult to balance those things. And uh, I think all of that stuff adds up to a very, very loud 
working environment. It's a, it's a, there is a, if you're not critical of those things, those things especially in the beginning, the formal qualities, the, uh, the conceptual idea, if you're not critical of those things in the beginning, you end up working real hard on something that, that is uh, essentially empty and doesn't have the, the punch that it should have or the power that it should have or doesn't say the thing that it should say or doesn't have the ability to communicate the thing that you actually meant to say, etc., etc. Uh, these things are things that you can't put off until the end. <clears throat> so you have to consider them. And they are, they are critical things. So it makes it very difficult to do the thing I mentioned before, to, to create a safe space. So there has to be a place in there where you insert the critic. But that place cannot be at the beginning and it can't be at the very end. That's challenging as hell. Uh... And it's damn near impossible. I, I don't know. I, and boy, boy, am I struggling with that. Uh, because the, I, I feel like I train myself. And I'll go into this in a different, in a different conversation, I guess. Because th- there's no reason for me to get into this now. But uh, I train myself for a long period of time to be able to do these critical exercises. Now I have, and then, and then to turn them off is a, like a faucet on and off like a faucet or a, or a, you know, a stovetop. It's not easy. Um, like I said, damn near impossible. And being neurotic doesn't help because you're always in a space of am I good enough and that mixed with with an actual uh, aesthetic or, or conceptual criticism that, that's legitimate those two things are often indistinguishable from each other there's, just, there's a very thin line between what is uh, am, I, am I a failure and is this piece a failure uh, God I'm going to be hashing through that for the rest of my friggin life Uh, so there's a unicorn there. That's a, that's a, it isn't, well, maybe it's not a unicorn because it does exist, but it, greatness in, the whole word is loaded. I shouldn't use the word greatness. I should use acceptability or satisfactory. (laughs) If, if it's, if I'm giving it a job review, a performance evaluation, maybe I'd give it a two. Two is all you can hope for these days. Two out of four. Good enough. Good enough. Should, that should be my mantra, really. Good enough. Uh, who invited the critic and why am I reading this piece anyway? <clears throat> you know, there was a time when uh, art criticism, movie criticism, all that stuff mattered because uh, there was no... Uh, not everybody had a voice at some point in history. It's hard to remember that time. But not everybody had a voice. And so there were those that that uh, were uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 f- uh, f- uh, the cinephiles and the aesthetes and all the people who were the the, the act intelligentsia and all that who would rise above with their pens in hand and 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 lay waste to all below. Uh, th- that time has passed in a way. Now it's just you know the comment threads where people just just harangue each other throw poop it's a bunch of monkeys throwing poop 
My point is, there is a time when you could read a criticism, and it would be, you know, thoughtfully composed and all that, and it would come from a place of uh, expertise of sorts. And my question is, why would you read that anyway? About yourself, I mean. Who invited this critic to, to, to openly lambast what I'm doing here? And why do I need this? Do we really need the criticism? If you have a built-in critic the way that I do, why do I need the outside public to tell me whether or not I'm doing a good job? I should already know that. So I think about that. Who invited this guy? And so my philosophy has been, avoid that. Avoid the outside uh, feedback. Because honestly, I'm just working here. I'm, I'm living my friggin' life. And this is, this is art practice. This is something I wish to be part of my life. Um, someone telling me whether or not I'm doing a good job. Uh, it's funny, you know, and it, and it goes back to academics. Uh, and, the, and the academic world and whether or not it fits into the real world and whether or not those things, the carryover there is, is, is helpful. And I don't know whether the critic is helpful. I don't even know whether the internal critic is helpful. Uh, because sometimes, as of late especially, I'm having a hard time just getting through my friggin' day because of the internal critic. And I'm not really sure who invited him in. I did, of course, because I wanted to be good. Uh, the idea of progress and being good and improvement and all that and, and, and being at my, at my peak. So I needed the critic. I needed the critic to tell me whether or not I was doing a good job. And I needed the critic to keep me on course when I wasn't doing a good job. And that has become a handicap. An extreme handicap that I don't know how to rid myself of. I don't know if I'll ever walk again. So this idea of safe spaces and people being critical of it, I don't know if I... I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I do like a softer world. But I... But the real world ain't like that, you know. You will go out into the world and show something and people will say that sucks. That will happen. Uh, there is no safe space. Now, if you're going to pay uh, tens of thousands of dollars a quarter... Uh, to attend a beautiful uh, campus with, with trees and, 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 uh, and acoustic guitarists on the lawn and all of that, uh, smoking weed and, and drinking beers and, and, and hanging out. I don't know a better place to, to expect safety, honestly. <laughs> I think, honestly, they got a point, these kids. If you want to have a safe space, I mean, they're certainly paying for it. And the real world ain't going to be like that. But the real world's free. Uh, in a way. What am I saying? I don't know. I wish I had a safe space at home, I guess is what I'm saying. I like the idea of it for myself. That if I had a safe space at home in which to work, and didn't have to be worried about being accosted by difficult ideas all day, uh, I, might, I might be in a freer, a freer state of mind than I am right now. A little bit less tightly wound, perhaps. A little bit less interested in rambling and, and complaining all the time. But maybe not. Maybe it would just make me soft and irritable. Are all these kids going to be soft and irritable?
like a like a summer peach, you know. You ever not eat your peach? You buy peaches at the store. They feel pretty good, but you don't eat them for a couple weeks. They get very soft. They're delicious, of course, but they're very, very soft. And they draw gnats, and nobody likes gnats. So, <laughs> life lessons from the peach. I don't know. God, I don't know what I'm talking about. I will revisit this idea of academia, because I think it's interesting, and, and I have a lot to say about that, I think. Uh, I gotta work on something that's scaring me a lot, and that's really the point here. And I wish there was a safe space in which to work, because I think maybe the fear is more, more uh, difficult to overcome than the than the actual work that I have in front of me. <laughs> but that's kind of ridiculous, right? Kind of ridiculous. Well, we all have to learn to live with discomfort, and that's what it is. There is no safe space. You gotta live to learn learn to live with discomfort. And maybe the critic and the discomfort of being afraid is really... Be- I'm too soft already. That's what happened. Jeez, who knows? I could go around and around about this for hours. Okay, that's what I'm thinking this morning. Uh, that's probably good for now. Uh, okay. He's Land Angelo. This is uh, April... Friday, April 7th. <coughs> uh... Right.